What is up, Crush Crew? I'm Bernadette Joy, your favorite rich auntie and your host of the Crush Your Money Goals podcast. Since starting in 2018, I've paid off $300,000 of debt, built my first million dollars of net worth, and grew from this podcast to a full financial education company that just crossed its first half million dollars in revenue. And along the way, I've met some incredible thought leaders and experts in the fields of personal finance, career, and entrepreneurship. And you will have the joy of meeting one of my favorite people as this season's co-host. Hola, hola. I'm Stephanie Gonzalez, the founder of the Women's Wealth Effect, where I focus my time as an investing and career coach to help women like you reach financial independence with confidence. I'm also a debt-free millionaire after paying off over $420,000 in debt and now live in Portugal with my amazing husband and two children after 15 years climbing the corporate ladder in the global tech industry. Thanks to the investing and career knowledge, I am so passionate about sharing with you. Welcome to season six of Crush Your Money Goals, The Women's Wealth Effect. Hello, hello, it's Bernadette and welcome back to the Crush Your Money Goals podcast season six, the women's wealth effect. We are recording live from the Moo Moo podcast stage at FinCon in New Orleans. And this episode is going to be really interesting and personal because we have a very special guest who I will let Stephanie, she has a particular connection to this person yeah. that I'll let her introduce you. Yeah, well, hola, hola, this is Stephanie, your co-host coming to you in the same room as Bernadette. And I feel like we've seen each other more than we've seen our family lately. But most of the time when I see Bernadette, I see my mom. And my mom has come to FinCon the last two years. She was here for my first FinCon. She's now here for the second. And she was actually in California when I went to the Women in Money conference in the summer. And so we're going to talk about... Wait, wait. Does that mean I'm part of your family now too? You're part of <laughs> Do I get to be part too, of your family Bernadette. now too? Yes. She came to Lisbon already too. So when you come to visit us abroad, you are family. I think that is a given. But mom, welcome to our podcast. And thank you for doing this and being here and super supportive. But introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do. I'm a very proud daughter, so I'd love well, to hear thank your thoughts. you. And thank you both, Bernadette and Stephanie, for inviting me to this particular podcast. I am Dr. Maldonado. I am uh, a registered nurse, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and also a clinical psychologist. And I preface that by saying Dr. Maldonado because it's been a long ride in getting here and a very expensive one. And so when we talk about uh, financial savvy and knowledge, I can honestly tell you that as I'm coming on this journey with Stephanie and I'm learning about wealth, right? At this time in my life, I just turned 60 years old this year. She does not look 60, y'all, and I am, I'm very happy about that because that, that means that there's a future for me. I'm well, very jealous of snapping you. it, right? <laughs> and so at this time in my life, I feel like I'm just now beginning to learn about money and wealth. And that's just, that's just a shame, just a darn shame. And so I'm here still learning. Still learning how I, at this time in my life, can still be productive in reference to generating wealth. I think I've done an okay job thus far, but I wish I had started earlier. And, and when I say earlier, in earnest, in other words, really looking for education, really looking for that mentor that I see you have now, that you've become, certainly now, you know, through 
your um, ability to know people like Bernadette, I wish every woman listening to this podcast, I don't care whether you're 60 or you're 16, that you really have the ability to make a change, but you have to stand up and look for it, right? And it is available. So um, again, thank you for allowing me to be part of this podcast because what we're going to talk about, I, again, I just really wish more people would take time to dig deep and do their trust planning and, yeah, you know, what they need to do. Yeah. So, so let's go go there, right? This past summer, we, we had the opportunity, Joe and I, to bring the boys to see you over the course of six weeks in California. And, you know, you had prefaced this to me, you know, you really wanted to start working on your estate plan, your plans for retirement. And retirement is a word. And I think my mom's going to embody that, right? Because she doesn't have any plans to technically retire anytime soon. She loves what she does. Um, I think you work really hard. And I, I wish some ease for you as you're you know easing into your 60s. But we did sit down with an attorney. And it was eye-opening even to me, right? Thinking about me and Joe and the boys and we live internationally and there's a lot of nuances with that and making sure that we can protect our wealth and how we want to navigate that. I mean, tomorrow is not promised. So what really put doing your estate plan on your radar, number one? And number two, how did you feel walking out of the office with Rebecca when we met with her? Two very good questions. Um, I did not have the ability. I have three children. Stephanie is my oldest daughter. Well, my only daughter and my oldest child. And I did not have the ability as parents. We want to be able to provide an education for our children. And what that also means is financially, right? I was not able to do that. So on this side of the coin, I would love to be able to leave some type of financial legacy to the three of you. And if I couldn't do it during the time of college, that maybe I'm more wise now and that I can do it in my passing. So I started thinking about that and I knew that legally I needed to protect the assets that I currently have. I've known for a long time that the way to do that was through a trust. Um, but you and I had this conversation earlier. It's still that scarcity mindset that keeps me you know, working, 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 but then not really knowing what to do on the other side of that. So you and I had already discussed that. I finally, you know, loosened up the pocketbook, so to speak, because I know that investing, this is another investment. When you hire an attorney to do a trust, there's an investment there. And so I did it. And I'm glad to say that you were there by my side because I wanted you to listen, not only to what was being said, but I knew that at one point in time, you were going to have to be the one that was going to execute it. So I needed you to understand what you, you were about to embark on. So I want to leave a legacy, some type of financial legacy to all three of my children that I hope will also be passed down to my grandchildren, right? Because I'm preparing for that as well. Now, your other question was, how did it feel to work with Rebecca? That is uh, the attorney that I worked with. I'm telling you that if you find the right person, to work with, they just make it very easy for you because they not only provide you the education, they lead you through the process. So when we were done, and I'm talking about within that one hour, I was ready to sign on the dotted line. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I take just, my money. Take my money. Well, well, what, what, what was it about 
about her that made you want to sign so quickly? Because she actually took the time. Mm. Uh, I'm so used to going to an appointment and, okay, it's it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're done, right? Right. She we were there for like a, that. a little over an hour. Wow, really? Yeah. 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 And she took her time to first explain, jot down the things that she needed from me, and then reiterate and then assure me. She assured, she assured in the sense that we're not done, Mary Lou. So this, this is what we need to do to execute your trust, but we're not done. At any particular point in time that you need to make a change, you come back, we make the change. You can unwind it. Even. I can unwind yeah. it. And so I believe her level of expertise, obviously, was was what I needed. But her compassion and empathy mm, uh, for, as an attorney, as an attorney for the person that was sitting across from her. And, and then she just left everything open. You know, it, it was like a living and breathing appointment. And so when I left, I felt confident that I was not going to have to go talk to another attorney. Right. Because sometimes you have to do that, right? You have right. to go investigate on whatever works for you. Um, but even at Stephanie, you know, we walked out and we were both like, okay. I was I, like, how I can I work with her? <laughs> I don't live in California and I don't even yeah. stay in California. But. Right. And uh, she has since made this transition very easy uh, with her office staff. And um, be very honest with you, I'm still going through the process to finalize everything. Mm-hmm. But the process is now on in my court. Right. Uh, something that Stephanie and I will talk kind about. Of in my court, really. But right, yeah. right. But then then it'll be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll make one other observation that I saw. Mom, like like I said, she's not going to retire right, right now. And the idea that she would walk into an office and have someone have an assumption of what this 60-year-old woman should do. Oh. Right? Like, oh, you want to keep working? Oh, sure, that's fine, but you need to get it kind of dismiss her real reality, what right. she wants for herself. And that she, you know, it, it is one thing about the legacy, but it's also another thing about her being able to continue to be an active investor, whether it's in real estate or figure out what she wants to do with her other kind of, um, you know, asset management. But I really felt like she listened to what she truly desired and said, okay, this mm-hmm. is, these are some things that you, sh- you may want to consider. I think the other thing that came out of the conversation was just the dynamic among siblings. You know, the, the reality is, is like... That was going to be one of my questions. Yeah. There's three of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what did you have in terms of questions about that? What What was the dynamic? What was the conversation amongst the siblings about how to manage yeah, this, I'll, if anything? I'll, I'll turn it to mom because, you know, that's a responsibility that I asked her. I, I was very forthcoming, right? I said, I'm happy to be the executor of the estate. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that my brothers, you know, understand that those are your wishes. And I think that should come from you. Right. Well, Bernadette, to answer your question, that's another reason why I knew that purchasing, acquiring a trust was what I needed to do. Because the last thing I want to do in my family is to create any chaos at the time of my passing. Uh, And as a nurse working in hospice for many years, I've seen what the passing of an individual can do to a family. And in my own family, I've witnessed that. So I, again, want to make sure that the gift, you know, and I'm putting quotation marks around the gift, does not tear my family apart. Because that's not... That it has That's never not the been point. my intention. And I love that. Yeah. I love but it, that but it could happen, right? Mm-hmm. It could happen. So 
Um, I see my three children as equals. I see their strengths. I see their weaknesses. And within this particular trust, it's just going to help ensure that my wishes are already thought through. They have already been prepared for. And my children don't have to go into any conflict mm. amongst themselves. They're just going to have to be able to sit through this. And it's taken care of already. I would love to ask you both, you know, as a mom and then as a therapist, what were the emotions that you went through in this process? And how did you how did you process those emotions? Um, if I might, if I may ask for clarification. So when you say the emotions, are you referring to the emotions of coming to the idea that I needed a trust and what that means? Because it's specifically that okay. uh, because and I asked that as a daughter with a mom who still has not and older than you who does not want to face those emotions. I'd love to hear your perspective of what the emotions were like naming those emotions and then specifically, you know, how you were able to process them in order to get to the step of going through the trust process. Well, what's interesting is you're asking me this question. I wanted to quickly respond and say, what emotions? Oh, no, no emotions. I don't know emotions. <laughs> oh, very logical. Human right? therapist. I've dealt with my emotions. I know what they are. Yes. I've been in therapy for many years. <laughs> um, but what the emotion that came up, the thought was fear. And I'm saying I'm using fear in a healthy way that said my fear is that if God forbid tomorrow on my way home, I perish and I'm going to have three adult children mm. whom I love very much that would be arguing and fighting amongst themselves in what I have or don't have. So the fear for me was that that would happen, number one. The other part would be the disappointment in myself that I had worked so hard. And Stephanie, mm -hmm. like she says, mom, so you work hard. all the time, that I've worked so hard only to disparage what I have. Right. Or to and have the state of Texas and California literally, literally gut your estate gut from my a estate perspective. And so I have sacrificed so much of my time that I could have been spending with my grandchildren, my children, only to then perish. And because I foolishly did not prepare, mm. my children are fighting and the state of Texas and California are going to take every, well, they, you know, California already takes all my money anyway with taxes. <laughs> But then to really know that I did not do a good job. And so that, that's where the fear comes in. Right. Um, but from the standpoint, because I, I know what you're asking about, my mortality. I dealt with my mortality the day that my daughter was born. And mm. I just remember saying, Lord, give me, just allow me to see my daughter grow up and graduate from high school. For some reason, that was what was important for me because I was a single mom. And God has been so good. Not only did I, was I able to do that, I've got three wonderful uh, children, I've got grandchildren. And so for me, my mortality, I, I know that there's, there's a day that's coming. Um, but I don't, I don't fear that. I think I fear other things and which I've already shared with you. So possibly because that's how I feel about death. Life uh -huh, death. Uh -huh. I'm not struggling with the mortality aspect of it. I'm more struggling with the idea of what my lack of preparedness 
could literally do to my family. Wow. Well, you know, let's add this other dynamic, right? Mom has gone through a lot around building her wealth and being able to even rebuild it after divorce. She has three kids who are now off building their all very different lives. Very different. Across the globe, for that matter, right? In very different places. It's not like we all live around the corner from each other. Right. And so I think even just the exercise of going through an estate planning and a trust planning process, Mm -hmm. it just, it forces you to have the conversations that are necessary to create some level of transparency around what your wishes are, what you even have, right? You know, I think sometimes people go through life assuming what may be left to them or not even knowing what could be left to them. Um, And so I think, you know, this, I'll be honest, I feel like we didn't really talk about money growing up, but you know, yeah, and we didn't. And this is our opportunity as a whole to rewrite that for our family, however it looks. I love that. I love that you said that it's an opportunity to rewrite. What's your thought on that? Oh my God. No, I totally agree. I'm a, I'm a Latina, Mexicana, Tejana. And in my family to this day, you do not talk about money. And so as, as much as I would like to say that I'm a modern mother, uh, you're pretty still, modern. <laughs> there's still those things about my culture, right? right? That are things that I'm working through. And one of them is money and money matters and talking about money and being more transparent. Yeah. We were talking about this this morning. I'm very much a numbers person. I'm an emotional No, no way. First of all, I'm a very emotional person. But one thing that has allowed me to rationalize through some emotion is really focusing on factual information and data. And I think that's what's allowed me to be successful in the corporate world. Um, you know, but mom and I were talking over breakfast about, you know, what she wants to see for herself in the next five years up until 65. And she, she works three jobs, Bernadette. Three jobs on W-2, let me say that. Wow. And then she has her ther- her, her practice. Oh, my word. And, and so I'm like, okay, so what do you want this to look like? And that first thing that she said earlier came up. She was like, well, I'm just got to deal with my scarcity mindset of not pulling in, you know, the income. And I was like, we just need to put this stuff on paper, you know, and look at the details. And I had to stop myself, too, because I immediately go there and think like that's going to solve. It. And I was like, well, first of all, it's not going to solve the scarcity mindset right. feeling that you have. But at least it'll give you a sense of what you have in general, the whole picture and what you can move from here to there or not. Right. And just in saying that, I could see on her face, she was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know. And so over the course of this week, I'm going to make the list of all the things that I need from her in terms of just like the detail that I would like to you know, simulate. And we've probably done this maybe once every couple years at this point. But I encourage anybody listening to this, like if you have this anxiety or this scarcity feeling about money and you feel like, like I've been working really hard, I'm generating income, reach out to someone who can help you put your reality on paper. Facing the numbers is, in my opinion, the first step. That's just how my brain operates. I know there's a lot of psychological and emotional stuff that goes on with money and you need to pay attention to that, but you're going to have to deal with the numbers at some point. So with with that, I would really encourage someone to, you know, either get an advisor, hire a coach, talk to someone who you trust, go get your money inventory and start there 
to take all the assumption out of your head on what is. Right. 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 And also, and, and, you know, in the case of doing trust and estate planning, that there's no question about what you're even talking about or managing. Right. Uh, I know I can say from my own personal experience and I'll say this, I'm sitting in between you guys right now and I feel like the love, you know, across, (laughs) like I just, I'm, I'm feeling quite emotional right now listening to this conversation because you are modeling for me what I didn't know was possible in terms of having a mother daughter conversation about this kind of topic because similarly in Filipino culture and raised very Catholic, like Mm -hmm. a lot of guilt and a lot of shame around, you know, that aspect around, you know, growing your wealth, right? Because, you know, you know, really it's a, what wealthy are the poor in spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like those are, that's what we're told in, in, uh, in the church. And so I love that you're modeling what a healthy conversation uh, intergenerationally can look like. And one of the things that's really sticking out to me and what I'm hearing is that there was a lot of listening on both sides. There wasn't like, this is how I'm doing it. And this is what exactly I want. And you, you know, you sounds like you've had conversations going two ways. No, absolutely, Bernadette. And it, I've never spoken to my daughter in that manner. Uh, first of all, because I respect who she is. Mm. She's my daughter, first and foremost, and I love her unconditionally. But I just am so proud of who she is as a professional, mm-hmm. intellectual human being. And mm-hmm. so when Stephanie speaks, I hear her. I hear her from the professional side, but then also from the daughter side. And so Stephanie may say something different, but when she and I have these conversations, it's an actual conversation, right? It's never a me dictating mm-hmm. uh, or Stephanie saying you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always, well, what do you think about this? Or, or, hey, mom, I think that's a great idea. <clears throat> and honestly, Bernadette, I hadn't even thought about that until you're mentioning it right now. And I want to say thank you to my daughter because she allows this relationship. And and mm. I think it's a two-way street. Right. But she allows this relationship. And because she allows it, it continues to grow. And, and I know that I, I allow it too. I, I know it's a two-way street. But for those mothers and daughters that are out there listening to this, this is an amazing relationship that... There's mutual respect on both sides, and we just happen to have have it, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, I agree with that. I also would add, there's a lot of work that's gone into allowing us to get to this point. And I say that because I think between mothers and their children, and I've seen this in a lot of uh, conversations that I've had, like my, my Latino community talk about estrangement and relationships and, right. and stuff like that. There were, there have been points in times in my life and in my mom's life where we've had to come back to ourselves as center and really understand what's going on with ourselves and figure out what is right for ourselves. Because if you can't be in a way whole for yourself, it's really challenging to like allow others to participate in your life in a way that's productive. And I can think back to times when mom and I didn't agree. And we had to take some time and space. And mom, I know, did tons of work through just even her, you know, becoming a therapist. And I think that has 
allowed her to heal through numbers of things that have happened in her life. And even just for me, figuring out how to create boundaries for myself on what I'm going to accept from people in conversations and just in, I, I take on a lot of emotional, I'll call it baggage because I want to be like very illustrative, but I take on mm-hmm. people's emotions. That's, that is me. I, and I own that because I want to, I'm a people pleaser. I want everybody to be okay. But I've had to learn over the course of my life how to also to make sure Stephanie's okay too, right? right? And so our ability to listen a lot now has evolved over time. And it comes through mutual respect. It comes through making sure that we also respect each other as the individuals. Like right now, I would love it if mom just like up and left and moved to Portugal with us. Mm -hmm. It'd be awesome. It'd be... And in a little bit, it was, I felt bad moving and moving our grandkids away a long time ago. But at the same time, I want her close. But she has a life in California and she's worked really hard to have that life. And so I have to keep all that stuff into context and understand that like she has things that make her happy. So do I. So I say that because we've gotten to this point through a lot of mutual respect and I think work on ourselves as individuals too. And that's okay. I love that you said that. In, in the context, again, of this conversation around trust and uh, estate planning, because so much of this is, like you said, knowing what it is that you want um, in your life, not just after you pass away, but what do you want your life to look like? And I think this process forces you. And I'm curious for you, have you talked about this process with any of your peers, the, like the your friends or family um, who either have gone through the estate planning process or who have not gone through the estate pl- planning process? I have talked to a few friends that have gone through the process. And in fact, it was through those conversations that I'm sitting here going, oh, shoot. Ah. I got I to gotta, I gotta get on board, right? Ah. Um, but I'm a very private person. And remember I told you I don't talk about money? <clears throat> so from that standpoint, I listened mm-hmm. and then I executed, so to speak. Um but no, I can't take credit for it myself. It was through, at this time in my life, other women who are who I can consider friends are going through it as well. Mm-hmm. And so that just kind of said, okay, Mary Lou, you got to take care of it. And I love, uh, you said that you're a very private person and now you're on a podcast at a financial <laughs> conference <laughs> talking about this and what you're sharing, you know, I know is going to help other women, you know, both on your perspective who have kids that maybe they want to protect, but also for women like me and Stephanie who don't know how to have these conversations with their parents. So I really appreciate you doing that. And I'm also curious, was there anything logistically, like just kind of pure um, kind of like technical aspects of the process that you found difficult or you think that people maybe need to get a heads up about before they go through the process? Technical? No, I don't believe there was any technical process. Um, it was just, <clears throat> I found this attorney through my banker. Oh, okay. Okay. And I say this because it was my working with this particular advisor, my banker, and I said, this is what I need. Okay, we're working on, on all this investment. And now I need X, Y, and Z. This was Jeffrey. And Jeffrey said, okay, boom, boom, boom. And he gave me the recommendations of what I was asking for. That started the process. I just happened to get lucky. And, and I'm going to say that I got lucky because in these referrals, 
they were legit good referrals. Can I add to this though? Jeffrey, he's a Latino advisor who's been really patient. And same, same thing as Rebecca with mom. I've actually been in conversations with him as well. Mom's brought me into the discussions. And I think, you know, for advisors listening to this conversation, you, ha- you just have to do right by your client. And I think Jeffrey took to heart and got mom the right recommendation. A female estate planning attorney who had credential and I think would... I was her situation. Yeah, her situation was clear. I think that's great. So I would say, you know, that's one thing that everyone can take is like, you know, don't just pick someone off of Google, <laughs> right? Like the get, top ad, <laughs> right? Get a referral from a credible source. And then... I'm curious from the time that you thought about doing the state planning to where you think you're going to end up landing on finishing it, how long is that process? The process should not have been as long as <laughs> it currently is. Mm-hmm. And that's because I've, um, I've not moved as fast as the process could have mm-hmm. happened. Um, but then also because Stephanie is in Portugal, she's the executor. She and I, as a matter of fact, while we're here together, are going to finish that the part same. of it, mm-hmm. and then it'll be it'll be good to go. Oh, good. I would say if you really needed to get something done quickly, you could do it within thirty days, as long as you had the right information. Your you know your lawyer had the ability of being able to process that in your backlog. But yeah, okay, gotcha. And so, uh, you know, after this process, is there any other tips that you would give to? Uh, families on how to navigate this in a way that is going to, it sounds like to me that this actually helped strengthen your relationship a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm curious, do you have any tips for other families who may be not as two-way street? Mm-hmm. I'm saying this for a friend, aka me, <laughs> right? On how to navigate this, you know, going forward now that you've been through it. The tip that I would have for parents and a parent, a young parent, or a parent at my age, is understanding what you want for your children at the time of your death. Because in this trust, just want to make sure everybody understands that it's also a living will, a right. power of attorney. Right. And so I want, again, parents, think about your children and what you want for them, not just in the financial aspect of it, but in the human aspect of it. My children are not going to have to talk to each other about my passing, where I'm going to be buried, how I'm going to be buried, or God forbid, I am unable to speak for myself. Right. Okay. Because I've already spoken. And so because I have already spoken for what my wishes are at the end of my life, they don't have, they don't have to guess about what mom wants. And this process, I am taking care of it so that they don't have to. And so for any parent, please do it as soon as possible. Because what we know, you know, we were born and then we die. Mm -hmm. And that can happen at any given time. So if you have young children, you want to make sure that your wishes are respected in reference to the young child, Mm -hmm. children. And then I have older children. Situation is a little bit different. But I still want to make sure that my wishes are honored in my passing, but then that my wishes to take care of my family financially are also honored. Yeah. I think for me, let's talk about the first thing, you know, the approaching of your parent in the conversation. I think framing the conversation as 
I want to be in a position. We all as a family want to be in a position to celebrate your life at your passing versus not is a a great icebreaker. You want to call it that Um, because that's what we should be able to do. And because many of us, you know, in our families didn't know otherwise, there's just a lot of strife, right? During times of of deaths and it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Number two I have little kids. We live abroad. And what Rebecca was telling us about trust versus will are two very different things. Right. And a will lives differently in every other country. Right. And so we have to think about, okay, establishing a will in Portugal, having a trust in Texas, also having a trust in Portugal. Like most of our our, our assets are in the United States and they're in Texas as our last residence. But, you know, there are some logistical things that we have to think about as right. international you know, global citizens. And so, um, you know, we kind of heard about that in Singapore, but because at the time Singapore was like a temporary thing, not necessarily longer mm-hmm. term. But now that Portugal is more longer term for us, um, really working through that so that we have a plan for us. And as a grandma, just hearing what Stephanie is talking about is very important because, again, something happens to Stephanie and or Joseph, I have two grandchildren right. that, that we need to be concerned with. And they need to take care of their will, their trust, so that family will know what their wishes are. Right. And more importantly, that my grandchildren are taken care of. Right. And I'll just speak to all of the women who may be listening who are child-free. Don't think you get away with not having <laughs> any of this state planning in place just because you don't have any kids, AJ and I don't plan on having any children and we have a will in place and we are in the process of reevaluating it right now because our lives have changed significantly since we last did it. And it was actually a really great exercise for us to face the facts of what we had. Uh, Also to evaluate our relationships of like, who do we really like? Because there wasn't an obvious person to hand them down to. And so, you know, we had to have a discussion of like, well, what portion would go to his nephew, nieces on his side versus mine? And are there friends that who have been like family to us that we want to be represented in this will? And so it was actually a really great conversation for us because as an example, you know, two of my best friends, had I not had that conversation with my husband, I don't think he would have known that I would have wanted to leave something to them financially. So uh, I'm just reminding for all of you uh, ladies, even if you're like, well, I'm single and I don't have kids or whatever it is. Nope. This is still something that uh, we advocate for all women to do, especially if you're on the road to financial independence and you want to make sure that the people around you, like Stephanie said, are celebrating your life at any point. So I am so grateful to you for having this conversation with us because this is not an easy conversation and you've handled it so eloquently. And thank you for having the most amazing daughter as well. She's been a a light in my life. And how are we going to wrap this up? Well, um, I don't know either. (laughs) You really stumped me. But (laughs) that being said, I think this process for me, FinCon, trust and estate planning, opening conversations about money with my mom has been super eye-opening for me as heading into 40. And I think if we could bring this back even to the women's wealth effect, right? And the ah. four pillars. Oh, that's right. That's where we're here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, we, if we bring it back to the, the four pillars, this one definitely hits the health and the wealth piece um, because your health is not promised. 
right? You, you, tomorrow is not promised. And in order for us to thrive and make significant progress in our lives, we need to be able to pass things down and not have our states taking half of it, right? So I just appreciate us being able to sit down and have this conversation. Um, and we appreciate you all on the other side of the line listening, even if you're shedding a tear, because I almost had to hold back tears today. We appreciate you listening to this very special live recording from the Moomoo podcast stage at FinCon here in New Orleans. And we will see you next time. Thanks so much. See you next time. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crush Your Money Goals Season 6, The Women's Wealth Effect. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this podcast. Your feedback helps us spread the wealth of knowledge to more women like you. If you'd like to work with me to help you create clarity, control, and confidence with your financial independence journey, you can snag my free early retirement planner at womenswealtheffect.com forward slash planner. And if you'd like to work with me to kickstart your financial freedom plan, you can grab my free guide on the 10 money tools you need right now at crushyourmoneygoals.com slash free guide. Stay tuned for the next episode.